Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. This is episode 187. And um, uh, Mark Vila here doing the introduction. Usually Mark Stevenson does it, but he's not on the episode today. Instead, we have uh, an amazing uh, talent and and uh, an amazing uh, knowledge and and so much more uh, from John Sullivan of Adia Capital. So uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, great, great. We really appreciate you too. I'll give you a really super brief introduction on who John is, and then I'll, John, I'll, I'll let you kind of take it away. But sure. um, John is, in so many words, an expert on financing equipment, which is why you're listening to this episode. You're curious about leasing, financing, should you, um, and a lot of frequently asked questions. So John's going to be here to uh, answer some of those with me. And also just have a little bit of discussion on on making good business decisions when it comes to financing. So, um, John, why don't you, um, I'm not a big fan on like people giving a 20 minute story of their life when it comes to a guest on a podcast. (laughs) Um, And a lot of podcasts do that. But I just, I, I do think it's important when you are speaking from authority to kind of talk a little bit about who you are, right? So, um, and, and just to do the same for myself, for people, maybe first time listeners here, uh, my name is Mark Vila and I'm the director of marketing here at Coldesi and uh, we're in the customization equipment business. And I've been in this industry uh, specifically since 2008. So I've got a bunch of years of experience in the customization equipment industry. And uh, John has even more experience. So I'm going to let you kind of give us just a little 60 second or so on you. Absolutely. The main thing I want people to know is that I'm an entrepreneur, and that's what most of your customers are. Um, so I started off in actually in decorated apparel as a screen printer, um, and then worked my way up to a trade magazine in the industry. Uh, after that, I um, went to work for a finance company that financed equipment in this and other industries. And from there, went on to work for a company called Custom Leasing. And then in April of 08, I founded uh, ADA Capital, and I'm the president of ADA Capital now. Wow. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> cool journey going from being a screen printer and owner of a, a, a production business yes. to uh, helping people start and grow their production businesses. So you, I think you see something from a really different light. Right. And, and I, I amended that, of course. I also had time in equipment sales um, where I sold, you know, embroidery equipment. Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, I know the aspect of embroidery and screen printing from both sides, from helping people start businesses and running it myself. Yeah, that's great. Well, so, um, you know, listen, if you're listening out there, uh, you can see that John is John is the unique wealth of knowledge when it comes to not only this business in and of itself, the customization business in and of itself, but but the financing side of it too, having been doing that, um, not only working for another company, but but owning your own business for um, a long time too now. That's about 15 years, yes, right? it is. Yeah. Time flies, huh? It does. It absolutely <laughs> does. But it has been, to quote a cliche, it has been a lot of fun and we enjoy what we do. Every- yeah. When you started the business, what color was your beard at that point in time? <laughs> your color. Well, my color, color, okay. Yeah. yeah, definitely not this white. But yeah. So if you're not, um, we do uh, put the podcast on uh, YouTube. So if you're listening to it, awesome. But if you prefer to kind of see us chat, you can you can check us out on YouTube as well um, or on the customerapparelstartups.com website. Um, we'll post the videos on there and such. But um, to kind of segue into financing right so financing in general just broad stroke is an extremely important part of the world economy right from and all of us are used to financing things like homes or automobiles or, or even furniture right and um commercial equipment is financed as well right and so are um 
buildings and uh, leasing out spaces and all this stuff. So financing is a really critical part of business as well. But because a lot of new business owners are used to financing cars or houses, there can be a lot of misconceptions when it comes to financing things for your business because it it you, you have to think about it differently and it acts a little bit differently, I think, as well. So um, part of this podcast is to help to understand where those how those lines are different and the benefits uh, of, and, and, and I'll say, I mean, just straight up like downsides of it too, right? Because there's, there's two sides of every coin. So why don't we just start with like a simple question that people ask all the, you know, or not as <clears throat> a question that I want to ask you, John, um, why, generally speaking, why do businesses financing equipment? Why don't the, why don't, why doesn't everybody just pay cash or put it on a credit card? Right, right. And those are certainly options for some people. Um, but most people finance equipment because it is a very large expense. And in most cases, since these businesses are being started in a home or in a rented building, it's their largest expense. And so they want to utilize financing to be able to reserve their capital or their credit, in the case of credit cards, for other expenses that may come up down the road. Other big benefits, which I know we'll get into, is the tax write-off mm-hmm. benefit. And the fact that it doesn't affect our personal credit as debt, um, certain when you finance certain ways. So some companies do report you as debt, but here at Idiot Capital, we don't. So those are some general reasons why someone would want to finance equipment as opposed to paying cash. Um, and of course, you know, I can go on and on about that, but you know, I think we'll have some other questions that'll come up that'll relay back to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I frequently talked about, uh, I used to sell equipment too, and I used to work for um, a couple different banks. So I'd worked on um, the, the larger one being Wells Fargo, right. uh, and I worked in financing and I, I had worked on the retail side of financing. So I had worked with um, furniture stores and mattress stores and all these little places that when you go by and you see, um, you know, get your furniture for $99 a month. Um, That's obviously done through a bank. And I I had done that kind of stuff through Wells Fargo. Right. And um, so I've I've come into the equipment, into the equipment business, um, kind of knowing a lot about financing, having done a lot, having done home financing and and things of that nature as well. And one of the things that we would always, always talk about to folks when it came to financing anything was the value of having a liquid cash on hand versus not right and and meaning that um some things require quick in and out transactions right so that would be um paying for electric paying for electricity bill um buying supplies uh, repairing something that just that just broke you know right. all of these things that happen in in real life and and in business that having cash on hand um, or or a credit card. I'm going to actually speak of these th- two things equally. But having the ability to access instant cash, right, right is very very important to success in business. Um, and it doesn't always have to be masses amount. But if you have, say, um, you're wanting to start a business, right, and you decided that you're going to pull, um, you have some money in 401k that you want to borrow from, maybe, or you're going to pull out of. You have some stocks you're going to cash in. You have a savings account you're pulling out of. You have a credit card that has a little bit of money on it, and and you're a small business, and and you don't have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, right? You've got a reasonably modest amount of money to start a business, um, probably a a four digit number, right? right? And in that case, if you have say, you know, $8,000 or 12 or $15,000 that you decided you're going to use for this business, if you're buying a piece of equipment that cost $8,000 for example, you're using up a huge portion of that liquid money that you have right away. Right. And then when you need to spend cash quickly, now you're scrambling on how to try to get that versus utilizing. Because you've banks created money. debt too. Yeah. Yes, you've created debt too, right? So, right. so, so versus using money that a bank is willing to give you so you can get started and actually eases a lot of pressure off you when you've got emergencies or quick things you're trying to move on. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. And that's absolutely the truth. You know, having cash 
you know, the old saying cash is king is absolutely true in business. Okay. Available cash for when you need it. And not only for when you need it, but but to put it to work for you. And I know you and I have discussed before the time value of money. And basically, essentially, the time value of money principle is the bedrock to commercial financing because it clearly lines out how and why you should finance your equipment as opposed to purchasing it. So as a consumer, you know, we hope to only finance things that we simply can't afford, like a home and a car. Okay. And there are times where we finance other things, sure, but we try not to because there's no benefit to doing it. The only benefit we get as a consumer is to write off the interest on our home and that's it. As a business, it's just the opposite. Like you said, you know, the government or, 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 the, or the Fed um, mm-hmm. or the IRS even wants us to buy equipment because that's how you stimulate a capitalist economy. And so they, they make these write-offs for us that we can take you know, advantage of uh, either an accelerated depreciation like on Schedule 179, which we can talk about, um, or through the term of the, the loan or the lease. So this enables us to be able to write off 100% um, according to whatever tax bracket we're in and expense 100% of the interest. Okay, so we depreciate the equipment and we expense the interest. And so if you think about it from that perspective, why would you take your cash and put it into that equipment unless you were so cash heavy and expecting some huge, you know, um, you know, some some huge windfall or excuse me, some huge situation where you need to hold on or you need to spend that cash because that that isn't going to happen too often. So saving that cash and using financing will allow you to write off 100% against your earnings tax, against your income tax on your depreciation, expense 100% of the interest, and keep your cash in reserve. So that's why it's it's important to do that in, in, on the commercial side. On the consumer side, hey, if you can pay cash for it, do it. But um, but on the cons- on the commercial side, definitely not. And a matter of fact, I know many people who could pay cash for equipment many, many, many times over, and they always finance it. Mm-hmm. So why so- are they doing that? Yeah, you and you had said two things there that I think are um, are worth discussing briefly. So one is um, a concept that I, I, I had spoken about many times when I worked for a bank, but kind of the time value of money. Can you explain? Because that is actually a term used by people in the finance world, right. uh, or a, a phrase I should say used in the finance world. Can you give yes. a brief explanation of what that means, the principle of it, to a I degree? Certainly, I certainly can. Before I do so, I'll tell your listeners, your audience, you can Google it. Simply Google the time value of money and read it for yourself. It simply states that your money is worth more in your pocket today than it is in the bank's pocket when you're in a 100% write-off scenario. Okay, okay. So, so you don't, that cash, what could you do with that cash? Well, let's think about it. For example, we have $60,000 and we got about $20,000 worth of equipment. We could easily pay for it and have 40 remaining. But why do that? Why don't wealthy companies do that? Why don't wealthy people do that? They don't do it because they know they're in a write-off situation and they take that money and invest it in their business um, through marketing or some other way of gaining more customers or or gaining more market share, or they invest it in the market or any number of different things, other businesses, they take that cash and they put it back to work for themselves as opposed to just simply paying off a debt that you're paying on anyway. Mm -hmm. Most people, when they buy this equipment, hopefully they've talked to an equipment rep about the return on investment. So they have an idea as to how much money they can make. And that payment should fit nicely within that ROI. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so that should be an accepted expense. That way that keeps you relevant in your business as far as your equipment goes. You can buy new equipment more often. You can trade it in at the end of a term and get new equipment. That way, ensuring yourself of newer technology and ability in production. So that, and, and since you know that you're writing it off in whichever, whichever way you choose to do so, um, gives you the peace of mind to know that you're not, you know, you're not, you shouldn't have bought it and just paid cash for it and ride the storm out for 20 years on antiquated equipment. That just doesn't, that's just, that's just not smart and it's not feasible in today's marketplace, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, that's an interesting thing to think about too. And the first thing that came into mind with it was how, when I remember when I was in school, uh, university and and further in business and studying business, learning that one of the biggest things that is a killer of a small business, especially a startup, is you know the terms cash flow, right? So having money to do things, to pay bills, to act on opportunities, mm-hmm. and when you lose the flow of cash, meaning that you've got um, 
too much money going out and not enough coming in during the right times, okay. right? That's it. All, it's all timing um, right. to a degree, right? Because here at Coldesi, we may have an opportunity to, a company may say, hey, um, do you want to help us build a factory, <laughs> right? And we could right. say, sure. And they will say, well, it's going to cost $10 million. And uh, Coldesi may say, uh, we're not going to do that. You know, why? Well, we're going to give you $10 million, right? And then, but it's going to take us a decade to build a factory. I'm a fictional scenario, right? To build a factory and get any of that back. In the meantime, we need that $10 million to buy other things. Absolutely. Uh, so, so moving money around is not just as easy as saying, you know, I have this much money here today and this much money tomorrow, and that's and that's profitable. You have to have right. money that available and it has to be able to move in, in a timely manner. So you so you so you bring up the second point, which is reserve. You know, what what we keep in reserve that for whatever we don't know what's coming on the pipeline. So we have to keep money available. We may get a big job and have to buy a ton of soft goods. We may do mm-hmm. a number of different things. We have bills creep up. Our business may slow down for a moment. Those types of things have to be considered. But even when considering that, when you do have positive cash flow and you do have large reserves, it's still smart to finance equipment predicated simply on the cash is king principle and the time value of mm-hmm. money. Yeah, that, It keeps you going and it keeps you riding off and it keeps you in new relevant equipment. Okay. And and we've proven time and time again with the equipment, especially Coldesi sells, the return on investment is there. You know, it's just there. It's like if that customer has any ability to sell the market, they're going to be successful. Yeah, yeah, that's the great point. And we should definitely dive into some of that. Yeah. Um, I, I did mention earlier, there are two things you said, so I don't want to forget to say the second one. Um, and it, that is just uh, how... Uh, I'm going to simplify it a lot more than what you say and uh, than what you said, but uh, taxes is super complicated and uh, most all of us know nothing about it. So uh, it's important that you have somebody available that can help advise you on that tax stuff and understand it. But one thing that you mentioned uh, um, that, that bears truth is that um, the government, the Fed, the IRS, and, and things of that are nature do offer benefits when you are doing things that help to benefit them or the economy, right? Absolutely. And therefore, when, as you mentioned, financing a piece of equipment um, has different tax benefits that are offered to you as a business owner that aren't necessarily present there when things are paid with, with cash. So it, it's, um, it's something that folks can speak with you or your representatives about when they're financing to learn a bit more. Um, or, or of course, if they have somebody that helps represent them on taxes. And let me, let me understand that. here. I mean, any business who's a lot of times when you're a small business, you can't afford a CPA and I understand that, but when you can, they're almost worth twice what you pay them. Mm-hmm. The peace of mind and the understanding. These guys would stay up on top of things, you know, pretty much on a monthly basis because these laws change significantly. Matter of fact, and equipment finance laws changed tremendously. The FASB laws changed in 2022, you know, which made quite a bit of uh, work for a lot of the CPAs. Mm-hmm. So larger companies out there that, you know, that are taking write-offs need to pay more attention now to how they structure their finance packages. Then we certainly can help them with that. All yeah, well, that, that's great stuff, and it's and it's it's uh, it's fascinating um, and confusing and beneficial and overwhelming. It's a lot of different things. So hopefully, we 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 started off with a lot of information in the beginning in the first fifteen minutes of the podcast here, but hopefully, you know. Um, uh, you've, you're getting a gist of things, and then let's break some of some of these things down and kind of just talk about it and and, um, and get it to the point for if you are a new business, um, you may not know or understand a lot of this stuff, and you realize, oh gosh, there's actually some conversations I need to have, or maybe it wasn't as simple as I thought. I thought I was just uh, you were thinking of it like a car loan where, okay, I'm going to borrow $15,000 and it's going to cost me $300 a month or whatever it is, right? right. And and uh, that's how you're thinking about it. And you say, well, how much interest am I paying? And then you realize that the answer is a little bit more complicated, which is why speaking to, um, you know, uh, like folks like uh, pros that Coldesi has or that ADA has will really help to understand this stuff. But for new business owners, um, 
a thing that's often asked is, is can uh, new business owners finance equipment? And, and the answer is absolutely. You know, we have startup programs that facilitate all different types of credits. Um, so that's what you, generally the question is, my credit's here, my credit's there. Um, you know, if someone has a lower credit score, they want to kind of know, can they be financed? And the answer is most certainly, not always, but we have some of the best possible financing for people who could be credit challenged. And then mm-hmm. for people who have, you know, excellent credit, we have great startup packages for them as well. And of course, their questions are always, what's the interest rate? And, you know, we're very honest and tell them, you know, exactly where they're going to kind of fall. And in commercial lending, it's a little different than than in consumer lending in the sense that a startup business is, is a little bit more um, risky for a bank than something that's been in business for a couple of years or more. So mm-hmm. generally, they'll pay a, sl- a slightly higher rate than they would if they had time in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, still understanding of that, and it's still a very good you know position or a rate to be in, uh, and the write-off's nice. Yes, and and so essentially, if you're a, a new business, in so many words, um, a bank will take a look at your personal credit reputation and say, "We are willing to uh, let you borrow money for your, your potential new business um, under your personal name because in previous you have." Uh, paid off some cars and and had credit cards and, and and things like that. Exactly. So so it gives them a little bit of a picture or a window into your you know payment history. With that being said, I wouldn't let that stop someone who may not have that. Okay. We do have programs that can accommodate people who have very light credit. Um, in some cases, now this isn't you know a guarantee approval, but in some cases, you mm-hmm. know, we've had deals done that were that weren't even scored by the bureaus because there wasn't enough credit there to review. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and in those cases, people will pay a little higher rate, but it does get them in business. And the beautiful thing about it is they still can write off the equipment through depreciation. They expense the interest and the return on investment is amazing for them. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that, that, you know, it's, it's not as complicated as people want to make it out to be. It is as easy as an application. And then once you receive the application, it's reviewed. Um, you know, your ADA representative will get back with you and give you your options and they'll work with you mm-hmm. uh, to help you get the best possible approval and make you comfortable with it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And um, working with a company like ADA, you know, in general is, uh, you know, it's comforting that you realize you have experts there in the industry who know about all this stuff to help guide folks. Cause a lot of folks come into this a little bit nervous. They're right. not sure where to go. So to have somebody right. educated to help explain things and understand, and, and, and like you said, just be honest about it. Um, and, and one of the things that's a struggle is um, if you don't have perfect credit, right. Um, and the rate is kind of like uh, it's a relative term, right? But high, right? Is a relative term. What 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 is high? But 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 the rate is quote unquote high. Um, you know, um, should you do it? Is kind of the question, right? And then and I don't know. And you don't necessarily you have to answer yes on this, right? Because it's it's different for everybody. It certainly is. But this is a conversation that's often had. As someone will say, um, you know. Uh, I, I got divorced and during the divorce, there was a lot of trouble. And then that caused my credit score to get hurt. And I've been trying to rebuild it, but I want to start this business. And gosh, I, I feel like that interest rate is is high, right? Which is a relative term. So um, maybe I'm not going to do this. Right. Right. And and that's a question. So what I would start with, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give it, and then you can kind of comment further, but the thing that I used to always talk about when I ran into that situation, and right, I, I was in equipment sales. So my job was to obviously help facilitate the sale of equipment. So I would never just say, um, oh, don't do it then. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would be bad at my job if I said that. But I would, I would, what I'd like to, what I liked to do, and I still like to do, I think it's important to ask this to yourself, you know, do you want to start it or, or do you not? And what are the risk and reward of that, right? So if you know what, if the payment was, if you if you waited a year and or two years and built back up your credit, what would have happened during that period of time when you didn't start this business? Right. Um, is it if your payment is um, an extra seventy five or a hundred dollars a month, right? And and you waited two and you waited two years, right? Um, for one. 
you know, we have no clue what interest rates will look like. So your payment could end up being flat or the same in two years. If people who didn't finance equipment two years ago today, and they go to do it now, I would gather easily some people's payments with on the same exact credit could have gone up a hundred or 200 bucks. Three month. points more. Absolutely. Up to three points more. So, th- so there's unknown there. Um, and then the other is, um, okay, you spent $2,000 more in interest over two years, um, which by the way, there's a whole tax side of that, but we don't even, not even talking about that. Um, how much money would you have made starting your business? If you would have actually done it today, taking a little bit more of a risk, knowing you're paying a little bit more for the money. Right. Um, and, and that's a question that people need to ask. Do I do it or not? Do I want to make it happen today or do I want to wait? And I would, I would always say, don't let an interest rate, a number that feels more hurtful to your pride, I think, than anything, be the stopper, yeah. right? Um, if it means you can't finance the equipment or you can't start, that's one thing. Right. But if it means that I have to start with a payment of 350 instead of 250 is a hundred dollars a month in a business that could make you ten thousand dollars a month um worth stopping. And and that's it's a challenge to um get past that thought process. And I think pride is a part of it. Um, and also the idea of that two thousand dollars extra in interest. So I don't have a question, but what 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 comments further do you have on that? Well I think you laid it out very well. <laughs> I think it's it is imperative that people think through that. Um, because any new business that you start in some way is a gamble. You're mm-hmm. you're, you're trying you're taking a gamble that you can make money doing this and you're laying out time and money to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, your point about interest is absolutely true. Um, I can almost show you, you know, if someone paid $200 a month for this equipment and someone paid $600 a month for the same equipment, um, I still would go into business if I was a $600 person. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is that I understand clearly the return on investment. I know what mm-hmm. my personal strengths are uh, in a business and how I can help that business grow through marketing and sales. Um, so that wouldn't stop me. And I understand that I'm expensing hundred percent of that interest anyway. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have, it, it doesn't have the connotation that it doesn't say if I'm a consumer, if someone gets a home loan at two and a half percent and then someone gets one at 10%, well, that's a huge difference. Right. And it, it is something that you have to budget for within what we, what we're talking about, usually the return on investment in most cases within 60 to 90 days is there. And so they're going to be making the money to make that payment easily well within, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of days, much less the entire month. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're right. It's a pride issue sometimes, or we're so inundated with mortgage rates that we think everything is a mortgage rate or a, or a credit or a car payment rate through like a credit union or something like that. And that's just not the case. Businesses are always going to pay slightly higher interest because, banks want to make sure that they're protecting their investments and they protect their investments through hedges and yields. And so that's what, you know, that's pretty much what it breaks down to. So Mm -hmm. I would never let uh, an approval that is more than what I wanted to be stop me from going into business. Now, if I could better that approval, absolutely. Right. But if I couldn't, then I I definitely would take what was on the table. Mm -hmm. One of the things, um, to consider in a lot of these things are um, is uh, uh, the the risk to the bank in general, which is 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 uh, something that I learned a lot about when I when I worked for a bank and we had to take courses and certifications on this. In fact, but one of the things they talk about is is why that home loan is so much different, and even an auto loan is is, is so much different. And when you have a um, the home is is the lowest interest rate in general, generally speaking. Now there's zero percent credit cards, but but generally speaking, those aren't zero percent forever. There's always catches and hooks and 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 things like that, and 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 there's ways they get around that. But when we're talking about payment financing, where you're going to buy something for a dollar amount, they're going to give you a certain number of payments for a certain dollar amount, and then essentially you own it afterwards. A home is a a house for one. Um, over time, generally speaking, real estate goes up over the long term. So banks know that their investment is reasonably safe over a long period of time. Um, Two, your house is probably not going anywhere. 
So if you don't make your payments, it's very easy for the not in so many words, but for the bank to tell the court and the court to tell the sheriff office and the sheriff office to deliver you a letter that says the bank's now the house. The the house is now the bank's. Um, And when you're financing other things that exist in this world, um, including a piece of equipment, um, it's not as easy for a bank to just say, give me back that embroidery machine. I'll just go sell it again Um, or or something to that effect, which is much different than a house, right? A house is, it's reasonably easy for a bank to say, give me the house and sell it again. And to very simplify things, oversimplify things, but that's the concept. And I think people can understand that. And that's why um, there is. And also the, when it comes to the, your, um, your hierarchy in life, right? Um, shelter is one of the base pieces of hierarchy, right? It's like air, water, food, shelter. So your home is probably the, 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 one of the main things you're going to put money into if you have to, um, where a, uh, the fourth printer you're buying for your business is, is significantly higher on that hierarchy of life. And the bank knows that. Right. So that's a different risk level than your house. Yes, it is. And, and, and I, you know, would let people know again that we're intertwining commercial and consumer, but to make it relatable. And I understand that absolutely. But the principles and the rules that govern, you know, how commercial lending works versus consumer lending are way different. And then, of course, the benefits are way different. But to, to, to agree with you completely that a home, yes, and it's easy to lend money on a home. Most times they appreciate um, 08, 09, the exception. Um, but uh, most times we see appreciation in homes. They're a safe bet for the bank. They don't overextend themselves the way they did in the past, sometimes on banks with seconds and things like that, um, um, as far as homes go. And as far as cars go, you know, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're so movable. They're so resellable um, that it makes it, you know, an easier situation of course you're still taking a huge hit when you buy a car we all know that mm-hmm. uh, but as as a business as a commercial loan um you know that's the difference that's a sweet spot because it, we don't have to think of it as a consumer we're thinking of it as mm-hmm. a commercial deal a commercial business a commercial agreement where someone's lending us money to get the equipment we need to make money okay and as we make a cash asset we're creating a tax liability and the irs lets us write it off you know, according to whatever, you know, you talk to your CPA, but it's according to whatever tax bracket right. and then right. it's in the interest. So, you know, it is it is a way that you can go into business and continue to thrive in business with, you know, the write off and the potential to buy more equipment and enhance your business to create more capital. So, yeah. you know, it's it, they are relatable. But you know, I always say I'll always borrow money on the commercial side, Mark. You know, mm-hmm. um, I rarely borrow money on the consumer side. And then my credit cards, you know, or I try to keep them as low rate as possible. But, you know, I don't want revolving debt because revolving debt hurts my ability uh, to negotiate deals with banks and things like that. So and as a small business, revolving debt hurts your ability in negotiating with companies like mine, because, you know, you've got too much revolving debt. Banks don't want to lend you money. So it's important to keep that revolving debt as low as possible. And so um, for for those um, listening that maybe are not finance heavy. Yeah. So revolving debt. And the reason why they why it's called revolving debt or credit card debt is you have um, installment debt, which means that you borrowed $10,000. And as you pay it off, that number essentially always goes down, right? Well, so you start with 10, you end at zero. Yes. All right. Yes. Revolving debt is um, you, uh, you are given $10,000 to spend or not. And you can spend $10,000 and then pay it off next month. You cannot spend any of it. And then in the month 11, borrow $10,000 and then have that debt indefinitely because revolving debt does not require it to be paid off in a certain period of time. So it is a higher risk debt um, because most of the time you don't hear about friends or family saying, I owe so many car loans that that I that I'm never going to get out of them, right? Because that's not typically the case. Eventually, if you keep making the payment, it's done, whether you're happy with it or not. The credit card debt, if you keep making the payment on it, it doesn't necessarily make it go away. You have to actually pay higher than the payment and 
not be tempted to reborrow because it's revolving. You can then reborrow that. So it's so it it hurts your buying power having revolving debt, which kind of goes into one of the things we were going to talk about uh, in my in our notes here is is why not just use the credit card? If somebody says, um, "Well, I have a credit card that has um, a four percent interest rate on it, and I have a." a a $15,000 line of credit and this machine is $10,000. Should I do that? And and why is uh, financing something commercially different? You know, that's an interesting question. If someone had a credit card that had the limit to buy this type of equipment at a 4% rate, right now, I'd probably do that. I probably would incur the revolving debt or the credit card debt um, because that's a super low rate, especially for a new business. Okay. Uh, but seldom is that the case. Most okay. credit cards are going to be way higher than 4%. Mm-hmm. Some of them have 0% offers. I have a credit card right now through, I think, Bank of the West at 0% for 18 months or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm going to take advantage of that if I need to. Um, but, you know, I'm not buying equipment that I can't pay off in 18 months. Most people can't pay this off that quickly. So they're creating revolving debt here again. And the reason revolving debt is the big no-no is because it's unsecured. And so there's nothing there that the banks can go and get back. And so that's why, hey, they're real heavy on the revolving debt. We're, we're a little uncomfortable, you know, credit analysts will say, because they have so much revolving debt. If you go and buy equipment through revolving debt and you need to buy more equipment or finance something else for your business, mm-hmm. that could that could hinder you in being able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Yeah. So that, would, that actually makes sense. Yeah. And now, now mm-hmm. look, using a charge card like, you know, American Express used to be to buy your soft goods once a month, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, float it for 30 days. But other than that, I, you know, I wouldn't use a credit card for my business for anything that I couldn't pay off within 30 days mm-hmm. unless the rate was so low it made sense. Right, right. So, so there, there, there's a case by case scenario to be made, yeah. right? That sometimes it, 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 it could make sense if you have a, a per, very particular interest, low interest rate, um, and even if you said like you know financing something, um, you could get a very fast return on your investment on equipment if you put it on a credit card. You very well can if, if, if you, if you work at this business, and it's something we talk about all the time, right. um, but. You uh, the the one the one thing that's very important is then you have to pay it off. So part of it is is the uh, discipline of of paying it off because it's very easy to be caught in a trap of I'm going to catch it next month. I'm going to catch up. I got a really big opportunity this month. I'm going to catch it next month. The next thing you know, the 18 months go by, and then now the interest accrues, and now you have to. Then it, they tack it on typically because if Absolutely. you don't pay the debt, then you have to pay all the interest. So all of a sudden, your balance goes up like two grand in right. a snap. Yes. Um, so it, it's a dangerous game to play. If you're really good at the stuff and you're very smart with it and you're very experienced, you may not even be listening to this podcast, right? This podcast probably for a lot of folks who are who who are looking for the education on this stuff. Right. Um, so uh, it's a dangerous game to play. I always say, you know. Um, if you're looking to take the risk and take the jump, because uh, anytime you open up a business is a risk or a jump, then um, you know the the people who have um, a success in business, uh, folks who are um, you know gurus, entrepreneur gurus, coaches, you know stuff like that, you know they they consistently will say, you know the only people who win are the people who take the leap. Right. So if you have the opportunity and you can jump on it and you take the leap, that's your opportunity to win. And there's not there's not I don't think there's a clear answer on 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 uh, on any of it. Right. It, it, is interest bad? You know, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Right. Right. You know, I know one thing that I I read some information one time of some people who were highly successful entrepreneurs. And, and just like this topic, nothing was the same path for everyone. Mm-hmm. Each each individual had a different road that they were on. The one consensus was when they had an idea to take swift and immediate action. That's what they could pretty much all agree on. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, certainly Coldesi and partnered with Adia Capital, you know, can facilitate that in this situation um, to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. You know, get them equipment as soon as possible, get them trained get them a good finance package, allow them to put their plan into action ASAP. Yeah. Now, now I have a, a 
trick question, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I, don't even know. It's, it's, I wrote this down because I remember hearing this um, on, on a finance podcast a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and I think we spoke about it. So I don't want to reiterate the same answers again. But I, I, I want to say it just because it entertains me to say this. But isn't debt for suckers? I mean, isn't having debt bad? Um, isn't that what you know? Uh, uh, Dave Ramsey and, and and a lot of these famous you know gurus would say is that any debt that you have is bad. I mean, biblically, biblically, debt is bad, right? So, so um, why why isn't this type of debt bad? And I know you spoke about it already, but maybe we could just kind of reiterate it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. and and I and I agree with debt being bad in certain situations. I mean, we've already talked about people have too much debt can't get loans. Sometimes um, as a consumer, debt is bad because there's no real write-off advantage to, to taking on that debt. You're simply able to use something that you either need or want, right? Um, commercially speaking, that couldn't be further from the truth. Also in life principle thinking, it also couldn't be further from the truth. I appreciate Dave Ramsey um, and, and his daughter and, and all that they've done. And, and I certainly appreciate the biblical aspect of debt. But when it comes to modern day capitalism and understanding money, there are people who are whose net worth is so many millions of dollars, it's unfathomable, who got there on solely on debt. Mm-hmm. They built their empire through debt. Banks throwing low rate money at them, allowing them to buy assets that appreciate. Um, then they turn around and take that appreciation back out of that debt with more debt. And they keep facilitating those debt programs through different types of investments over and over and over again to the point to where they are, financially speaking, you know, they can become liquid whenever they wanted to, you know, at several million dollars and generally start off with very little. Mm -hmm. It's understanding how to make debt work for you. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. And debt is credit. That's what it is. So, um, you know, you have to understand what you're doing. We're taught. Most of us, you know, people like you and I, we're taught, you know, you know, don't finance anything you don't have to. And and debt is bad and it's for suckers. Well, these suckers are multi-multi-millionaires and they figured out how to use debt for yeah. that advantage. So no, debt does not make you a sucker. Um, and if I, you know, be so free to say that um that type of mentality can be restrictive when it comes to business growth. Yeah. And that being said, let me say this. I don't ever see it. I see about eight, maybe not even eight, 6% of people that I talk to, even over the years that I've been doing this, where I see they're in a situation where they should pay cash. Okay. Yeah. I never see a situation where they should use a credit card outside of a super, super low rate. Right. So it's always smarter to, to finance something at an agreed upon rate and go that way. That's always the smart play is to create that debt commercially because there's ways to write it off. And then we can build relationship and build more debt, which is creating more cash asset. Right. And Mm. and that debt is helping us facilitate the tax liability. If that makes sense. When you make money, you owe taxes. Okay. Okay, Right. If you've never been in business before and you make a dollar and you thought you made a (laughs) dollar, guess what? You make 70 cents pretty much. And Mm. so you you have to understand tax debt that comes along. Most people who start a new business, they're used to working on a W-2 and they don't understand that those taxes have to be paid. So they have, and they, they have to pay them. No employer is going to hold it out for them. They are responsible to reporting their, their income to the IRS on a quarterly basis. And this is something they consult the CPA about. Saying I'll have to say this at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself mm-hmm. and you, you know, and most of us, you know, can get inside of our heads pretty quick. If you're so ingrained with paying cash, uh, and getting debt paid off so fast that it gives you a sense almost of euphoria, then I suggest you stick to it. Um, don't make yourself miserable because, you know, it just, it is, I can show you a, a thousand ways to Sunday how it's the right thing to do, but if you don't believe it is and you can't convince yourself it is or open yourself up to the knowledge that it is, then don't do it. Right. Right. It, it, all this is, uh, and the one point that, <clears throat> I think is important is it is a decision between you and your business partner, your spouse, uh, whoever, whoever, whoever is involved in this situation for you. And, 
And one of the problems that I've seen in um, consulting businesses with marketing and doing marketing myself, having been a business owner myself, having lots of really good friends who are entrepreneurs, is that um, when you make these decisions, all the the people that I know, a few a few really good friends that are successful in their businesses and have had businesses for for 20, 30, 40 years, all have said, um, they they've kind of similar mantras that have been said over time because I ask these questions all the time because we have a podcast right so I'm always looking for topics and 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 interest and ask questions all the time sure. and one of the things that is a consistent is that I don't let other people's opinions or image of me or or the decisions that I'm going to make influence it, meaning that I don't make business decisions for vanity. I don't make business decisions based on um, somebody might think it's uh, uh, shameful to borrow money, right? You have a really good friend who's like, who's very anti-debt and they think it's shameful to borrow money to a degree, right? Um, Well, you know, this is not their business. And when I say that it's not their business, I mean it literally and figuratively. They don't own the business, you do. And it's none of their business on how you handle your finances because they may have a completely different financial situation in their bank, in their home life, in their business than you do. So you have to operate differently. And um, I, so I I think some pride comes into it. Some self-reliance comes into it, some self-actualization. There's a lot. And when you're looking to start a business, if you're not sure what to do and, um, and you are unsure about debt, but you do know what the goal is ahead of time, right? That's when you contact, you know, like folks like pros, pros at Coldesi and folks like, John and the team over at Adia, and you start having conversations about this with experts, and then you and your business partner or your spouse or whoever is involved um, talk about that together. And it doesn't matter if you have a friend who said they, I financed everything for my business and the bank paid me money to borrow them, you know? And it's like, it doesn't matter what those stories are because, um, you know, many of them may not be completely true on paper. Um, and also, uh, it's not their business. So I just think it's really important to go into it yourself. And and one of my good friends had said to me something to the effect of that um, he had he knew somebody who worked in this finance industry that they were in. They do like um, uh, uh, 401ks and a lot of that stuff, right? Personal right. finance type of stuff. And he had a friend that was opening opening up his own branch of this finance thing and because of views of people of his peers and hiring people and how you should hire employees and pay people he ended up quitting because he had an idea that he wanted to do and he said you know what all these people are telling me that this isn't the right way to do things and that i should i shouldn't do it that way and it's a bad idea and so he quit so uh, a bunch of years later, my friend started doing what he said. He called, he's like, I'm going to do what you said you were going to do. And he's like, everyone says it's a bad idea. And he's like, but it's a good idea. He's like, those guys, they're in a big circle. They live together in this bubble. So he did it. The guy has got like a million dollar house now. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> and, what it is. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish, please. Oh, oh yeah. So I think the just the moral of the story is, is that what he did was, and this is a story you told me, he's like, I, talk to people who were in other industries. I talked to experts in my industry and I didn't let influence of kind of false friends um, let me decide what I was going to do with my business because it was mine. And he said, I I wouldn't have achieved success like my other friend who didn't achieve success because, because of this poor influence and poor education on things. Because when he realized what when he got actually educated on it, he's like, wait a minute, if I pay people, it was like a commission versus draw, like all that type of stuff. And it doesn't matter the details, but he said, actually, when I re- when I started investigating, there was lots of industries that paid people this way and they grew faster and the people made more money and they were able to share wealth a lot better. And it turned out to be really well if you worked with the right people. So I, I think the moral of that story is, 
education, educating yourself is number one, making the decision for yourself is number one, um, understanding everything, all the terms and realizing that uh, and not letting pride or, or people around you necessarily influence you when they shouldn't be influencing you. And, and uh, it doesn't mean don't take advice from friends, right? Um, that's not the point, but I'm just saying that not everybody knows everything. And you got to do your best. Absolutely. I love that point. And I'm absolutely with you 110% on that. And I've, you know, over the years of my life, I'm 58 now, that's always borne out to be true. It always shocks me when people go along with groupthink, whether it's, you know, um, over something like sports or, you know, one thing one day is absolutely taboo and the next day, oh, why didn't we do this? Mm -hmm. Um, Change their mind. So when you go along with the groupthink, uh, sometimes it keeps you from um, accelerating your life or your path in a way that could be, you know, more financially beneficial for you. So, you know, take take your path. You know, usually what I tell people, what's in your gut? You mm-hmm. know, the two, if it's in your gut to start this business, then do it. You know, if, 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 if you don't want to start this business because you're scared, don't let that stop you. In other words, don't let fear stop you. Mm-hmm. But but if you if you have a calculated understanding of why you shouldn't, then that's fine. But don't let fear stop you and, and don't let time stop you. Be, be be on top of it, get it started and get it moving. That's the way to succeed. If you never start, you can never succeed. Yeah, no, this this was great, uh, John. Um, I love talking to you about this stuff because, well, for one, you know, it reminds me of of days of old when I used to work in financing and I, I learned a lot and I worked really hard and, and that brought yes. me to where I am today. And um, and I've also uh, it, I think it's important to continue to discuss these things. Um, out in the open and educate them and, and let people know that resources like ADA Capital are there um, not to convince you to buy something, but to help these folks make the right decision on, like you said, you know, hey, if somebody has a really low, like a crazy low credit card and that bank is taking that risk, sometimes I'll tell them to do it. Like you said, it's rare, but you know when it's right. And sometimes you know when the right decision is to pay cash. So when they know they can talk to somebody who's going to help to guide them in the right direction and also properly say, here's A, here's B, here's the facts. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You get to decide, which is like the best thing about owning your own business. Um, Yeah. So um, I this is not going to be the last time we have you on the podcast. I hope we, we have yeah. you on more and we can dive into very, very some specific topics. So um, if you out there listening have some real specific questions about financing, you can just um, you could just send them over to marketing at coldesi.com and that'll come right to me, uh, Mark Vila. And um, and then I, I can pass those to John or, or back and forth, or maybe just some of these questions will come in and will inspire a very specific podcast just on that topic. So I may reply and just say, hey, you know what? That sounds like a great podcast just for John to talk about that one topic. So uh, thank you again. And uh, if you... I'm going to put a link in the podcast notes on customerapparelstartups.com that'll link to a page on the Coldesi site that'll talk a lot about ADIA and financing and things of that nature. And uh, if you reach out through that link, um, you can chat with our pros and and even uh, you know get John or, or someone on his team um, on the phone to directly discuss financing your business. Certainly happy to help. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, thank thank you all. Um, this has been Mark Vila from Coldesi and and our uh, our wonderful guest John Sullivan from Adia Capital. Thank you, Mark. Woo!